On this episode of Off Course Agility, I welcome Carol Daggett, my first NADAC judge as a guest. Today on Off Course Agility, my guest is Carol Daggett. She's a former instructor of mine. She's a former, well, not a former, she's a fellow attendee at Agility Trials. She has judged my dogs, and uh, we have actually attended some workshops together. So I have a lot of shared time with you, Carol. So welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Ed. This should be fun. That's what we try to do. We try to have fun and uh, uh, find out a little history from everybody. So as I do with everyone, I- I'll start with how did you discover agility? How did you first get involved with agility? Well, I was um, a volunteer assistant trainer at St. Hubert's for about five years for the pet classes. And they introduced an agility program and uh, they had a few classes and one of the other instructors had said, oh, you should take a look and see what you think. So um, I took a look and it looked like it would be something that would be a fun activity to do with my dog and a way for me to keep in shape. Those are my two goals. That was the only thing that I had in mind. I never expected to compete with my dog or teach or judge but because my dog was seven when I started taking classes. So that was uh, quite some time ago. But when a number of our students, remember we used to have a dog sports club, St. Hubert's had a dog sports club, and there was a trial in Putnam County, uh, New York, and everyone who was in the class was going, and they said, oh, well, Sheba was the name of my dog. Sheba's really good. Why don't you come? So I decided, oh, yeah, I'd come, and maybe I'd enter the trial, and that's kind of how we started. Okay. And, and like, how far back was that? What, what, what time? I must have been in the 90s, I'm assuming? Yes. Um, she competed in 1997 and 1998. Okay. All right. And then was that trial uh, a NADAC trial or was it some other venue? It was a NADAC trial. It was a joint trial from Skyline Agility Club and Contact Agility Club. There were no trials in New Jersey at the time, um, so... And my dog was a mix, so AKC was out at the time. They did not allow mixes. And USDAA, um, the the dog I had was 21 and an eighth inches at the withers, and anything over 21, um, they had a six foot three inch A-frame, and the dog would have had to jump 26 inches, which I was lucky because a few years before, 30 inches was the lowest height for a dog over 21. And I thought for a dog that's now eight years old, that was not um, really something I wanted to do. And Nadek um, at that time had 24 inches was the highest height, but if you had a veteran dog, you could jump at 20. So that's how we wound up going to um, a, our first Nadek trial. Okay, that's, that's all. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, uh, a little bit of NADAC history there because uh, I don't think I've ever seen, I think it was 20 inches was the highest in NADAC uh, when I came along. And I mean, it still is, can be 20 inches if you want. <laughs> all right. Bye. So you were at the time, so based on what you, you said, you were like an instructor at uh, St. Hubert's already. And then then you kind of found agility while also already being an instructor at St. Hubert's, is that correct? 
I was an I was an assistant instructor. It was a volunteer position, but that was for the pet classes that had no no dog sports. Um, right. Um, that time I was doing just the pet regular pet classes, and I did that. I think I they started in 1993. They they introduced this volunteer program, and um, as I said, I did it for about five years until I started. They asked me to teach agility classes, and at that point, it, I still had a full time corporate job, so. That didn't really work out with me trying to do both. So um, that's when I stopped doing the um, volunteer pet classes and started teaching agility. Okay. So, all right, and you started teaching agility. And then at, at some point, I, I believe you weren't, you were like the director of the agility school or something at St. Hubert's, right? So how, how did that all come along? Well, um, in, let's see, in 1999, Alicia Calhoun had come, and she was on the world team for five years with her Australian shepherd, Sonny. And um, she had a, we, we put together, she and uh, Sue Clark was there at the time, and myself, and we put together all new agendas for St. Hubert's, and um, I apprenticed under Alicia, and actually taught for her Wolfing Paws school for a little bit of a while. And she left in 2003. She was the program manager for Agility. So she left in 2003, and that's when they asked me if I would take over. So um, I started as program manager in 2003, and then later on, um, can't remember exactly what year, um, also I became the program manager for, for Rally. Okay, yeah. So you were there really for, through the the growing of the whole, like, sports things, because I know at time, and I, I'm not that familiar with, what currently is at St. Edward's, but I know they've they have had the rally and the obedience and and the, the agility. Um, so yeah, nose work. Yeah, nose work, right? So I know they. I mean, still, I think most people. Uh, I don't know about most people. A lot of people in this area who get a new dog will go to St. Edward's to get you know basic classes, and but it's nice that now St. Edward's has you know you can still do those. Uh, basic obedience type classes and work up through a cer certain number of those classes but then it's nice to have other options that you can do other fun things with your dog oh sure they're all lots of fun and you you can always find something that your your dog really enjoys and that's the thing to uh, to try and do right yeah it is so have you ever um done any other venues or have you always been nadac I've only done um, matches in other venues. I've not done anything else other than NADAC. As I said, it, uh, I couldn't do AKC, and then when I did my second agility dog, I could have ILP'd uh, him and done AKC agility, but at that time still, you couldn't bring a, a non-registerable AKC dog to the grounds, and we had a mix. So Pat, my husband Pat always used to come with me to trials, and we just I just didn't want to not be trialing with him and we couldn't we had no option of leaving the dog home so um, I didn't do AKC and then by that time all of our friends who were doing agility were doing it in NADAC so we just kind of stayed with NADAC which we really enjoyed the types of courses and things like that plus it's a time and money thing I mean if I look back I would say on average we do less than two trials a month and obviously a lot more in the spring and fall and much less in the summer and definitely in the in the winter so but we've always enjoyed the, the camaraderie that we found at the NEDAC trials it's always been a lot of fun and like I said all of our friends were there so we kind of stuck with it 
Right. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I know that's why I, <laughs> I never really tried any other venues because I enjoyed the going to the NADAC trials. And similarly, you know, you know, you remember Dino. I mean, he, I didn't have papers on, he was, you know, a beagle, but I didn't have any. So, you know, AKC, even at that time, they didn't have the, I, I don't know when they introduced the, um, uh, the mutt, the mutt program or whatever it's called under AKC. <laughs> but people used to tell me, oh, I could get a MyLP in, in AKC. But I just, I don't know, I just never really felt that I, I enjoyed going to NADAC. There was enough NADAC trials. So uh, I always stayed with NADAC and that's all I've ever done. <laughs> So, but it's nice to have choices, though, because the courses oh, are, are different, and so depending on what you like or your dog prefers, um, it's it's nice to have the choices. When I started, there was no CPE, no UKI, um, teacup. I, I couldn't do that, obviously, with the dog I had, but uh, some of those venues were not around at that time. Right. No, I, and I totally understand that. Uh, um, it is, it's always nice to have choices, and I totally agree that, you know, that uh, the courses in the different venues are, can be can be different, and uh, it, you know. But I I do enjoy the going to the NADAC trial, so uh, I've stuck with that. <laughs> All right, so I I think I'd like to ask you a bit about now. You mentioned that the your dog then was it? Sh did you say Sheba? Was that the name of your dog? It was Sheba. Yeah, we adopted her when she was about four years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was your first agility dog, and then she was our my first agility dog. Yes. And then, I mean, if you want, I'm just curious what the, what other dogs have you had? Because I do remember Mikey, but uh, did you have other ones before that or? No, no. Uh, Mike was my second agility dog, um, and we adopted him somewhere between two and two and a half years old. Belonged to a very nice family who shouldn't have had a border collie. Okay. Oh, so you and got then, got him sec a second he hand. He's my second agility dog, and Flash is my third agility dog. Right. And now I I know you have a a, a younger dog, and what what's your what's your puppy? I I guess it's still a puppy. Yeah, well, he's a year old now. Um, his name is Flint. Flint. Okay. And I, I know I met him once at some trial. <laughs> I know he was very cute. <laughs> I will tell you. I'll, I'll admit that. And. Is, I forget. Is that a? Is he a border collie? He is. He actually is related to Flash. Oh, okay. Our our friend uh, Deirdre Ryan, who owns Talisman Kennels, um, actually had bred Flash and also Flint. All right. So they they have some. They they have re relations in the past there. <laughs> okay. Right. Actually, Flash's mother is Flint's uh, great grandmother. If you did dogs that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very good. All right. So that that's nice to know. All right. So uh, I think I'm just going to take a real quick break. And then I'd like to talk a little bit how you um, became a judge. So I'm just going to take a real quick break. Is that okay? okay? All right. This is Ed Peters, your host of Off Course Agility. I hope you are enjoying this episode. I'd like to ask you to help me grow the podcast. Tell your agility friends about us through social media or in person at a trial. You can tell your friends they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
and Anchor. The website, offcourseagility.com, points to our Anchor homepage, where you can listen to and find all our episodes. If you have any comments for us, you can email us at offcourse at optimum.net. And I'm back with Carol Daggett. So you are a NADAC judge, and I would like to welcome you because you are my first actual NADAC judge on my podcast. But I'm curious, why, why did you want to become a judge? Well, I lost Sheba um, at nine and a half years old, and because I had no other dog, um, there was no one coming up to with, with, you know, with whom to do agility. I was so immediately cut off from the sport. If there were no really local trials, most of the trials were either two to four hours away. Um, so if you think about it, how many times are you going to drive three to four hours, which is the most common the amount of time we would have to drive to go watch your friends and then at the end of the day drive three to four hours back home. I mean, you may do that once in a while, but not very often. So the only way I could think of to sort of stay involved with the sport was to um, become a judge. I looked at what the requirements were and I met the, uh, the necessary prerequisites. So I attended a judging clinic in November of 1999 in Sanford, North Carolina. Wow. That, I didn't realize you, you, that's a that's a long time. Okay, so you're down at um, in North Carolina. You went to a judging clinic, wow. right? And and that's kind of a question. I, it may have changed since back when you first became a judge. But what's the general NADAC process and requirements for becoming a judge? you needed to be an elite competitor, you needed to have experience in course setting, um, and like I, I was able to design courses for classes and things like that. So th- those are kind of the main main ones. Okay. And then... Now, at this time, they also, they will also ask um, for feedback on you, like if, if you were to now decide to become a judge, um, they would ask like on the, the forum, for instance, the NADAC forum, and say, you know, does anyone have any comments about, you know, Joe Smith or, or whomever, um, you know, just to get feedback from other competitors or people who have had experience with that person. Right. Yeah. And I, I do remember, I over the years, I have definitely remembered seeing a request like that when back when it was more like a, a email type uh, server. And then on the forum, I, I know I've seen those type of things, too, for 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 people. And I think once or twice I've replied uh, for some people that uh, I knew. <laughs> but, you know, you have to know the person to really be able to give any feedback on anyone. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. So, okay. All right. So th- that's kind of how it does. So, um, and then I I know that in the beginning you're like, and I, maybe it wasn't the case then, but now I think you become like, a, a, there's like one or two levels become, before you become a full judge. Is Is that correct? Yes, and it was like that then. You became um, an SP2. You had to be under supervision. There was another supervising judge who would um, watch all of your calls, um, your course, you know, when you, you're laying out the course, 
Um, they would look at it to make sure that it was, you know, an appropriate NADAC course. And uh, once you became an, as what they called an SP1, at that point they didn't have to watch your calls anymore, but they were there to make sure that what you, you know, your course setting was good. Right. Okay. And then, so then clubs, I guess clubs ask, I mean, they just, they just look through the judges list and and they ask like you'll just get requests from someone to to be a judge somewhere is that how that works correct there is a judges list there's a judges list um and so someone from the club can go and look at that list and determine you know do they whom they would like to invite um in some cases it's because of the distance so in other words if you if you're a large club you probably can afford to fly a judge in if you're a very small club or have small trials i should say um it, it's probably less likely you may look for a local judge there are restrictions as to um how you know uh, within so many, like within six months, can you know, can you judge a trial uh, for that same club, um, and also a distance. What they don't want is they don't want some, uh, like let's say there were lots of trials in New Jersey, which there aren't, but, but <laughs> let's just say they were. They don't want to have the same judge be judging every trial in New Jersey. So that that was the whole idea. Besides behind having to wait a period of time before you could judge for that club again and a distance requirement um, as far as the trials being you know, X amount of miles apart. Now, for because of COVID, that's changed a little bit, but th- those, will probably, those will be the restrictions, I assume, again, once COVID is um, hopefully gone. Right, yeah. So since you've been a judge now, I would say, it's like if you... If that was 1999 that you first started, I, I guess you've been a judge for almost 20 years, right? Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I'll just ask some general general questions. What What's the farthest that a club has brought you in to be a judge? Uh, the farthest was in Arizona. That's the farthest that I have gone. Okay. Interesting. So that, yeah, that's pretty far from from this year because you are well. I know you've just recently moved to Pennsylvania, but <laughs> for most of the time, I assume you were in New Jersey during this, the twenty years. Um, yeah, everything was from New Jersey until October of last year. Okay, and then since you've been a judge for a long time, uh, I'll ask: Do you have any like favorite memories from from? Judging in in places you've judged at. Um, I don't know if I would say favorite memories, but what I find is very interesting is when you go to different parts of the country to see how the skill set of the people um, who are competing. Uh, when I went out to uh, one of the locations in the uh, Midwest. The novice dogs there had phenomenal weave poles, absolutely phenomenal. They couldn't do some of the. Uh, the things that were, I'll say, simpler or a little bit easier for some of the people on the East Coast, you know, they were not really good at serpentine. So this is going back a lot of years. But like I said, their weave poles were fantastic. But I do like to go to different parts of the country and see, you know, see the differences and get to meet a whole lot of really wonderful people. Right. Yeah. So then... Do you have any memories of any trials where... Uh, I, I will... Don't, wasn't so good for some reason. Uh, I did go out to a trial in Ohio where it rained um, the entire time, and we were kind of in a mud pit, I'll call it, (laughs) 
when I had to get back on the plane before before I even considered doing that. Luckily, they had a hose there. I had to literally hose down oh. the mud off of my shoes because there was no way I was going to get on a plane like that. And luckily, I had, of course, I had a change of clothes, so I was able to change clothes at the airport so I wasn't soaking wet. I mean, it, yes, I had rain gear. The rain gear was pretty good, but it was just continual um, all the time. It, it was just the in, entire trial. So that was um, an interesting trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, Other that's... Out or usually, or usually weather-related, like ones that, yeah, where it may be snowing or things like that. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I know I've seen you at many trials, and sometimes you've been a judge or sometimes you've just been there, but... It it amazes me, you know, that, I mean, there you are. I mean, you have to judge all the dogs at that trial. And whether it's not so warm, you know, it could be cold or, or as you said, it could be in the rain. It's just, it amazes me that there are, there are people like you who, who, who have volunteered. Because, I know you guys get paid, but I know it's not much to, to judge all the dogs at trials. It's, it's, I mean, I applaud the people and the judges that, that do that. You have to enjoy it. You really do have to enjoy it. Um, it. It is lots of fun the majority of the time. You know, there there are times it was like the heat index was 105, and, and it's hard to get through on, on days like that. But overall, it's still, I think, a great experience. And, and I, like I said, I've met people I never would have met um, were I not judging. Right. Yes. And um, so I think maybe that's, I, I guess the only other question kind of on judging though uh, I'll ask this that w when you go to places to judge and I would imagine in certain places you see the same dogs do do you ever notice like because especially over the years that you've done it have you you do you get a kick out of seeing the improvement of certain dogs that you remember oh absolutely it, that is really a lot of fun when you you know, when you see a dog that may, you know, was in novice or, or well, intro is a little bit um, more recent, but, you know, dogs that were, might have been struggling or, you know, were just okay and, you know, barely made it through. And then you see them, you know, a couple of years later and say, wow, what an improvement. And it's really, it's, it's joyful. It's really nice to see something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that would be one of the... Uh, Things, because I mean, I I also enjoy that seeing people progress, even not as a judge. It, it's just, and to see your own dog do that too. But it, you get a kick out of watching people that you see at trials um, improve, and I would think as a judge that you you would also uh, enjoy that fact too. And I guess I'll move I'll move on to just a little bit subject. It kind of goes along with uh, you being an instructor. I know I've seen you at uh, uh, workshops that I have. I have really all the only workshops I've really attended. I, you know, I've always gone, or my sister has gone to uh, uh, Lisa Schmidt. Uh, formerly Lisa Bonker, uh, when she has had her uh, seminars down in uh, the Woodstown, uh, down in South Jersey, where my sister, when Belle came along and my sister had Belle, she started going every year to, to Lisa's seminar, and it's, it's helped her 
uh, a lot. And then last year I was fortunate to be able to go um, with Trace for the first time to Lisa. And I know you you were you over the years have been there with your dogs. And I know a lot a lot of times you you're at an elite level, but you you get value out of uh, working with Lisa, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, she's really phenomenal. But it's nice to have another set of eyes. Um, you know, it, it isn't like you don't know how to teach some of these things, but having another set of eyes and someone else, you know, who can look at it and say, yes, you know, if you do this, you'll get, you know, you'll get X. If you do, you know, if you do Y, you'll get X. It's very nice to have someone who can, you know, look at you and your dog and, and you know, make some suggestions. Um, so I, I always, I always like to go to, um, seminars and things like that, and even when I have a dog that really wasn't maybe at the level of the seminar, I do. I used to do a lot of auditing, um, you know, just to be able to go and listen to you know hear new concepts and things like that, so that I would be familiar with them, even if I you know if I was you know not able to participate with a dog. Right, and then I imagine too that you know that you could then take that back as an instructor when you when you were were instructing and. and Help exactly. help people exactly. with that that's, knowledge. That's the whole idea. I mean, you, you you and you get different concepts from different people um, and things maybe you might not have thought of or new ways to teach something. You know, so that it's maybe a little bit more understandable for a certain students. So it, that it really is very valuable. I find. Right. Yes, I I, I agree, and I'll, I'll mention too that. Uh, and I don't even remember, I, I remember, but I don't remember what year it was or anything, but I do remember, go, I went once to a Sharon Nelson seminar, and you and Pat were there, and uh, Margaret was there, and I was there with Dino, and that was a very educational and interesting seminar with Sharon Nelson. I remember that seminar with Dino and the, the Red Barn on a on a rope. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, Where she had put the, the Red Barn on a on a, a rope and and um, had you yeah. run with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah. I forget the the, the yes. Whatever the, the, the dog. Whatever that dog food is. The it's like right. it used yeah. to be the Dick Van Patten. Whatever that brand. Yeah, I was amazed at what Sharon was able to get Dino to do at that seminar. It was just a that was an amazing thing to me because I went to that seminar and Dino. I mean, you know, we he was my dog and we had fun and everything, but. He he sometimes you know wouldn't want to run and and when Sharon took Dino the first time and like instantly Dino was like in tune with Sharon and like watching her like with such such uh, commitment to what she was doing and telling him I was like wow it was just so impressive to see. It's fun to watch someone else with your dog, or if you have someone else who can run your dog too. I always find that really interesting. Like I, uh, sometimes I would run uh, Pat's dog, or he would run um, mine, either Mike or, or Flash. And it's very interesting to watch someone else run your dog. It's it's kind of fun. Right. Yeah. And and I'll mention that it's always, it's always when you and Pat are at a trial and you're both there as just uh, com, you know 
handlers also. It's always enjoyable to be at trials with you guys because uh, often, uh, and because Pat, I'll just say, I mean, Pat, Pat, I will hopefully have a guest at a later date, but Pat, when he's a judge, he's very, uh, you know, you're in that judge mode. But when he's there as, a, you know, another handler, yeah, he'll come up and offer a little advice in a good way, you know, like, you know, and, and I always appreciate that. <laughs> and you, you also are very supportive at trials. Uh, so I always enjoy being at trials with the both of you. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, it's nice to have uh, other people that you uh, that you know that's watch your run and you and you respect their opinion and things like that. Yeah, and and I'll give you a compliment that my sister um, she she misses you as an instructor at St. Hubert's. So uh, you are missed, Carol. So uh, I guess I'll kind of wrap it up a bit here. Um, I have a question for you, though. Sure. Do you remember when um, you and I first met with Dino? When we first met, well... And Dino. And Dino. I, well, I'm going to guess it was when I went to one of your classes, maybe? But No, it was... Um, Dino and Druid were in the same beginner class. Okay, yeah. So Pat had Druid in class, and you were there with Dino. I think the first cor- time I can remember seeing you and Dino. That's correct. I would agree with you. And and it was out of class. So you were our instructor, and you were an instructor for both Pat, Druid, and me and Dino. I do remember that. And I remember that Dino really liked Druid, and sometimes we had to separate because Dino would distract Druid, and 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 and, uh, and Dino, it was just it was fun. <laughs> they liked each other. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago, but I definitely remember that. And uh, he, yeah, and and. You were very helpful, and, and, you know, that's why in the beginning I said you were one of my former instructors, because you were, and you helped, you know, and me a lot. And at that point, I knew nothing. I was a total beginner. <laughs> I didn't know well, anything. I was, was like, you have to start somewhere, and you have to have some, one dog is going to be your, your novice A dog, where, you know, you haven't done it before, and it's, everything is new. That, yeah. That's right. All right. So I'll just, uh, I'm just curious. I, I haven't, I really do miss the fact that I haven't seen you or, or talked to you pretty much. I, I, I would imagine it was sometime last year. So during this COVID-19 
whole pandemic situation. Uh, you have a new puppy, so are you doing training with him? Um, I had taken him to a foundation class, um, I guess it was starting January of this year, and obviously with uh, that finished, and then we were supposed to start the next class. We got one class in, uh, and the, re the rest of the session was uh, postponed, obviously, because of COVID, and they just started up again about two weeks ago. There, There is a place that's about... Um, a little bit less than half an hour away. I would love to come to St. Hubert's, but it's now an hour and a half drive, so it's a little bit harder. Yeah, that's a little so we're too trying, far. Although it's harder in many ways because uh, obviously not having access to the equipment that we had uh, when I was an instructor at St. Hubert's, um, so it makes it a little bit, a uh, little bit more difficult with uh, poor Flint. <laughs> right. No, I understand. <laughs> I, I understand that it definitely is because. Uh, pretty much I've been in, you know, a sim similar type thing. I just recently started going back um, to to kind of a, a class. Uh, uh, my sister and I are doing like a private now. Uh, so it's just the two of us. So at least we're limiting our exposure a bit. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. We're trying, you know, trying to try and limit your exposure and and with the move and things like that, I really didn't, couldn't take a class um, right. prior and just after the move. There's just too much going on. Yeah. So I guess I'll ask um, a question. I know your dog's not ready to trial yet, but if if he was, um, would would you go to a trial right now? Would you go to an outside trial? Um, right now, you mean with COVID? Yeah, yeah. Would you? I mean... Uh, not, yeah, because any right. child we go to requires a hotel stay. Yes. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm just not comfortable. Neither Pat nor I are comfortable right uh, now with uh, you know with the having to do the travel and being in, in a hotel. And so right. I I would not. If it, you know, if there was something, maybe if it was an outdoor trial that you know, we could drive to, um, maybe. But right. uh, not not a, not currently. No, I, I understand. I just. Just asking the, the question out of curiosity. So sure. based on that answer, I would assume, too, that you would not currently want to be judging any trials. Well, certainly not um, not any indoor trials. And, and probably because of the fact that I would be have to be in a hotel anyway. It's right. kind of the same thing. I'm a little bit nervous about doing that because we're not um, not as young as we used to be. No. <laughs> I, so, so. I, I understand. I mean, we're, we're all getting older. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as a veteran handler, it puts us in a higher risk category. So, yeah. so we have to be a little bit more careful than your, your average um, exhibitor. No, I totally, I totally get that and totally understand it. And unfortunately, uh, since my last podcast, uh, you know, we found out that uh, Nadak has decided not to have a championships this year in uh, Gillette. And I'm just hoping maybe they will be able to have one next year. I'm hoping we get a vaccine or something. That. Yeah, vaccine or a cure would be nice. If, yeah. if they could get that, I think things can be uh, back to normal again. That's right. But uh, right now, I'm, I, I totally am kind of with you. Things are just, um, uh, it's it's just too unknown. And unfortunately, in certain parts of the country, it's not, 
I feel fortunate that in this, you know, the New Jersey area and New York and, and Pennsylvania, I believe, isn't isn't too bad either, um, that we've at least taken some action. And currently, it's a bit under control. It's not like it was. We had it really bad in the beginning and then we shut down. But now other states are, are getting it worse. And whether it's because they didn't shut down or whether... It's just the way it's been with how the virus progressed. I don't know, but I, I certainly hope by next year we can come back and be able to have our fun time doing agility. <laughs> That's right. Gee, I, I miss. I was hoping that Flint could go to uh, Lisa's seminar, but in Woodstown again this year. But obviously that didn't happen, as you know. <laughs> right. I I really had wanted to do that too, but when it at some point there, and I think it was before Lisa had actually canceled. I think I had emailed her and said I was not, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming. It's just, you know, it's not coming <laughs> because I was just too concerned about things. And you know, like you, it's you know, you have to, you have to. When you, we go down there, we, we have to stay. I have a little camper, but we don't have a bathroom in our camper. And down there, it meant, would have meant, you know, I would have always been using the the facility on the fairgrounds. So it didn't appeal to me. And Lisa, of course, did end up canceling it all. And she wouldn't have been able to have it because then we shut down pretty much in this area for, for you know, those times. So, all right. Is there anything else you'd like to share or bring up? I don't think so. I think you covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Okay. Well, Carol, I def- I have appreciated talking to you because it's been a long time since I've even been able to do that. And I hope in the future we can uh, see each other again at, at some agility function. I hope so, too. Keep our fingers crossed that uh, that will happen sooner rather than later. Right. All right. Well, I thank you once again, and uh, I uh, wish you all the best. Good. Stay safe. Okay. I will try my best. Thank you. I'm back with a final comment. When my last episode had released, it was on July 1st of 2020. That was the same day that NADAC announced that they were canceling the NADAC championships for 2020, which were to be held out in Gillette, Wyoming. I think it was a wise decision on NADAC's part based on how, unfortunately, the coronavirus is still affecting many states in our union And I know Canada is doing a little better, but the virus is not flattening everywhere. And uh, I live in New Jersey, and right now we're doing better than some of the other states. But with the virus increasing everywhere else, I can't imagine that we won't also see a return of the virus eventually. Uh, We live in a nation that's very mobile and people move around. And I would imagine the virus will come with them. So it's an unfortunate fact of life, but we are all social creatures 
And unfortunately, the virus uh, is uh, enjoying that fact that essentially we have to go against our nature to control this virus by not being social, by wearing masks and socially distancing. I'd also like to remind you that you can send me comments, suggestions, or if you'd like to reach out to become a guest on my podcast, you can reach me at offcourse at optimum.net. You can also find this email on the homepage of our Anchor uh, platform, where we have our offcourse at optimum.net email. I thank you for listening. If you are trialing somewhere, I wish you happy trialing.